Hello, and welcome to Banking Transform, the top podcast in retail banking. I'm your host, Jim Roos, owner and CEO of the Digital Banking Report and co-publisher of the Financial Brand. In today's digital world, consumer expectations for personalized, seamless experiences are higher than ever. For banks, optimizing engagement to drive loyalty and satisfaction presents both challenges and opportunities. To explore how banks can leverage data, analytics, and technology to better understand and serve customers, we're joined by Devish Kari, CPO at Meridian Link. We discuss how banks must reinvent customer engagement in the digital age. By leveraging data, analytics, and technology, financial institutions will be better equipped to understand consumers and deliver better personalized experiences at speed and scale. By avoiding pitfalls like data silos, and by taking a customer-centric approach, banks can drive loyalty amid rising consumer expectations. Though challenges remain, the opportunities for banks are tremendous if they connect with consumers in relevant, meaningful, and easy ways. So Devesh, before we dig into the challenge and opportunities in banking when we leverage data technology, and AI. Can you share a little bit about your background and a bit about Meridian Link? Absolutely. And first of all, I'll just say thank you for having me on, on the podcast. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm an avid listener and I, I love kind of hearing the topics you go through and it, they're uh, near and dear to my heart. So, you know, thank you for having me on here. Um, just about myself, you know, I've uh, been lifelong technology uh, for my career. I'm an engineer by degree, been in uh, product management um, for, for many, many years. I won't say the number of years. Uh, but many, many years across mobile commerce, uh, health technology, payments, uh, fintech. Um, and really the mindset I bring is around innovation. And, and what I call innovation is really how do you change someone's day-to-day -day experiences, really is what it comes down to, right? Innovation isn't a cool feature, isn't a cool new product. It's how do you actually make impact in someone's day-to-day -day life? And that's really how I measure innovation. You're looking at that in terms of you know, the Marine Link perspective to introduce the company for those who aren't aware we're a SaaS cloud-based platform. Ultimately, what we deliver, the way I like to say it, is, is connected solutions that span the key points along a consumer's financial journey, that lifelong journey. What are those key points? And we have technical solutions that solve um, and create digital experiences bridging data across you know, account opening, account consumer mortgage loan originations, um, analytics, and collections. And you think about that in terms of your journey, you know, how you can bring that data together and really provide that bridged experience, again, through that entire life um, of a consumer with a financial institution. So it's interesting, you know, I, I mentioned in our pre-call that, you know, I've worked with Meridian Link in the past on done events for, with you and, and wrote white papers around your solution. But that was back in the day when you really really tightly focused around lending products and lending engagements. You've actually expanded beyond that, using your technology and your understanding of the marketplace to go beyond just loans, correct? Absolutely correct. I mean, I always start with, like, who's the end customer? You know, for, for financial institution, for a bank or a credit union, it's, it's the consumer, right? It's, it's us. You know, Jim, you and I, right, are, are the consumers. And our expectations have changed. And so there's a need for change within all these organizations. And we've heard a lot around digital transformation. Um, and that's true. But also, if you look at macroeconomic environments, there's more pressures on these financial institutions. And so for us, 
we looked at our solutions as we started off, like you said, you know, in that lending space, right? Really just thinking about how do we capture demand for a financial institution, right? Someone wants a loan, they apply for it. We help make that a real simple experience. But now the experience has to go broader. It's not just about just that, that initial origination. It's around how do we create, again, those connected experience for the consumer through the course of their life. Because ultimately now, when you look at consumers, they want a relationship with that financial institution, but they're willing to shop around. And so again, how do we help those institutions create those experiences using data that they have and create that loyalty? And so it's again, beyond just lending, it goes into sort of every day of their financial lives. You know, one thing that's happened since 2020 and even before is the change in banking is going so quick and there's so many things going on. And we talk about digital transformation as if it's a thing or something that there's an end point. There really isn't. But you're in front of financial institutions a lot in your organization. What are some of the key themes that you're seeing in your discussions with organizations like banks and credit unions? Yeah, and so you know, no surprise, digital experience is front and center. You know, again, it's it's what do we do? Everything is moving so fast. But I I joke that the challenges that financial institutions face is no different than almost any industry that went through that digital transformation. Just they all have their own cycles. And the first thing I've seen in all the experiences that I've had, you know, in different industries, it always starts with changing the mindset around outside in thinking versus inside out. And so what I mean by that is a lot of times when I go visit a bank or a credit union, they'll talk about how they grew historically, you know, what their focus areas are, but they tend to not speak at it from their customer side. And so the ones that I see that are innovating faster, that are really making change and impact in the, in the industry is that they are actually first starting with what is that desired customer? Who am I targeting and what kind of experience do I want to give them? And when they start with that, they look inwards it really drives a lot of change. And so for me, I think that's the, the biggest challenge you know, that I've seen. And just as an example, um, let's, let's take, take our day-to-day lives, something like Uber. You, know, you press a button, car shows up five, 10 minutes later, you jump in the car and you go off to where you need to go to. It's not a pure digital experience, right? The initial experience is digital on the phone, but it translates into a human interaction experience and then, you know, translates into how you run your day-to-day life. Same thing happened in financial services. You know, I, I meet with a lot of financial institutions that are worried about if I go digital, I lose that relationship. Not true. No. Right? It's not true. It's just, it's just another touch point that their consumers demand. So think about how do you design those, those experiences. And I've used the word before, connected experiences through that everyday day-to-day life. So you can provide that better experience in terms of when a consumer needs it, how they need it. And then how do you bridge that into the digital, into the human interaction? You know, it's interesting you bring up Uber because Uber has changed so much. And some of it is is subtle until you look at it. And what I mean by that is it used to be, as you mentioned, you push a button, you say where you want to go, you find a car that's close, that is in the grade that you wanted. You know, they start off initially with just, we're going to show up with a car. And now you can have different kinds of cars. You can get shared experiences. You can get a you can get a van. You can get a big car. You can get a small car. Sometimes you ask for a small car, you get a big car anyway because they're closer. But what's interesting is what goes on once you get in the car. And you mentioned it. First, you have that human experience. They great, greet you by name, partially for security, but also for the engagement. But beyond that, as you're looking at your app, your app is telling you, based on where you're going, 
things such as what restaurants are nearby based on what your eating habits have been with open table because they have a, 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 a partnership with them. They also will say, oh, by the way, if you're going to be staying at this hotel and you're going to be staying in, here's some things you may want to call for takeout and we'll deliver it. Then they'll also, if you go further down, they'll tell you about experiences based on things you've done in the past, based on where you've gone, where you've driven. And it's really interesting because as you look at this, what they're really looking at is saying, how can we go from a transaction to an engagement and including a good experience? So what have you seen within the financial services industry as organizations try to find better ways to engage and to build more loyalty by, let's call it, making banking easier? What are you seeing right now challenging the financial institutions in that realm? And you, you actually said it. You, you, uh, you led the witness here, Jim. But you know, what you said was really around the, the changing of mindset from transactional you know, to experiences, right? And so I, I joke with the team internally here. I bought a TV uh, earlier this year. And uh, the first thing I did is I went to Best Buy and looked at all the TVs on the wall. You see all those TVs across the wall. Try to figure out, hey, what do I want? What size do I want? You know, what features do I want? Um, and I narrowed it down to, to one or two. Do you know what I did next, Jim? I went on my phone on Amazon. I looked at that TV and I bought it from Amazon. Oh, my God. But I first yeah. went into the store to take a look at it. But then I went on Amazon because I got a better price. They do the white glove delivery into my house and I get it the very next day. Hassle-free, right? right? But to me, it was a combination of easy transaction, but I got the better experience on the back end. Um, for what I was looking for. And so if you think about, again, if we do that outside aid thinking, you think about those consumers, you know, who, you know, a financial institution wants to, to be, you know, one of their lifelong customers is has, has that institution really defined what is my differentiated value proposition? What am I trying to be for my customer and why should they, you know, bank with me forever? And I think that's the, the key thing that I'm seeing is that change in mindset in terms of, how do I create that personal relationship, personal connection you know, with every customer so that they want to be a lifelong? You know, it's interesting because I could take the exact same transaction you were talking about and turn it around for a different consumer. For instance, somebody who shops on Amazon for the kind of TV they want, but they can't pay for it right now. So they go into a, a retailer and use a buy now, pay later solution at the retailer as opposed to buying it from Amazon. Plus, they may want to buy the installation agreement that comes with it. So there's, it depends on the consumer, but both of them are buying the same product, but they're getting an experience or engagement that's customized to them. You know, you're more of a do-it-myself do it type person, but there's another person that says, you know what, I don't want to half sold it. I want, I want somebody to come in, put it in, so it's somebody else's responsibility if something goes wrong. You know, and yeah. in a financial institution, it used to be just about the product, but now you can get product anywhere and you can change your financial relationship by expanding beyond your traditional financial institution. How do you work with financial institutions to make it so they don't have the silent attrition that we're seeing more and more of? How do you work with financial institutions to give them solutions that make those customers or members want to stay with that financial institution. 
Yeah. So first, I think it's important for 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 those that don't know what the silent nutrition is to at least just you know talk about that because um, I think it's important for understand what that really means. You know, Jim and I were talking about this earlier, but you know, historically, you know, all of us have our primary checking account that we use to pay all our bills, where we get our direct deposits and all of that. And you 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 basically would buy new products off of that you know that hung up that checking account. You know, you get a personal loan, get a car loan, you do all of that. But you you kind of you bank with a financial institution because they knew you, they knew who you were. Uh, and you trusted them. And so, um, but we're seeing now is, is consumers being bombarded with offers everywhere. I mean, I can't count how many pieces of direct mail I get, email I get, texts I get now, um, ads I see, you know, on Instagram, um, around offers and it becomes overwhelming, but they're attractive. And so I'm sure everyone listening here has probably opened up another account somewhere along the way, maybe a Venmo, you know, maybe a chime, maybe something else. Um, just to give it a try because, hey, that, that offer looked attractive. And the challenge is as you see those open up more and more, what you start seeing is the concentration of financial relationships starts to dilute with a given organization. And that's really what silentration really goes to is it's about losing that effectiveness of what a, traditionally a financial institution provided to a consumer and the consumer now actually becoming more kind of spread out in terms of their overall relationship. And so for me, that's the biggest challenge that institutions have is that you start competing for transactions. It's a race to the bottom. You know, you're, you're going to be just competing on price um, and you lose any of that concept of value proposition. If I step back and think about me personally and my start in the you know, financial world you know, as, a, as a consumer, it started with a relationship. I remember yeah. at 16, my parents took me to their bank, their relationship manager. I remember opening an account with that person. A year later, my parents said, hey, you need credit. You need to open a credit card and pay it off every month, but you need to open one up to start building credit history. So they took me to the same relationship manager, the same bank, same branch. They knew who I already was and said, sure, we'll give you a credit card. And you know, my parents still signed it. When I had to get my first card, guess where I went? Same relationship manager, right? They knew who I was. And they provided me with that personal service. And so as I look at financial institutions and think about what needs to really be done, it's about how do you build that understanding that relationship, but it's crossing the digital and the human realm. But if, if you really take a step back and look at traditional financial institutions, they manage those relationships and they use data. The data was actually the, the interaction we had day to day. Um, they knew how many accounts I had. They would encourage me to open up new accounts if I had a need. But now instead of it going from the direction of the financial institution to me, it's about me kind of knowing where can I go to? what offers exist today and is this really what I want with my current financial institution or not? And so again, if that financial institution's value proposition isn't strong, I'll shop around just like I shopped around my television. So with that in mind, you know, when we first started relationships, let's say it's on the deposit or the lending side, one of the things Meridian Link does is make that process easier. You know, it's interesting. I talk about this often that we do research for the digital bank report and we find that about 85, 86% of financial institutions say they have a digital new account or digital loan opening experience. Then we ask the secondary question, which is how long does it take? For deposit services, a checking account, it takes between 14 and 18 minutes on average. For a loan, it takes anywhere from 18 minutes to over an hour, and in some cases for more complex loans, over a day. How does Meridian Link simplify that process to make it so that organizations make banking easier 
and more seamless so they don't stop the process they've started. Yeah, and then the, you know, we get that question a lot from our, from our customers, right? Because again, if you think about the traditional way someone would open up a new account, apply for a loan, is that I walk into a branch, right? And they would say, hey, I, I have this need. Or they even start applying online, but then they need to go into the branch to complete the application, right? There, there's, there's hurdles and steps. And so a lot of it starts with, again, with a financial institution looking, looking at how they want to design that end-to-end experience. And like you said, that's where Meridian comes in. We've got the solutions that allow a very seamless digital application to be completed. You can think of things like pre-fill. We already have information on these consumers. Consumers can provide you know, leading information that we can take to go extract you know, known, known, known information about them to, to, to help fill in the application, right? So you save work to fill in the same information over and over again. Uh, from there, we automatically pull credit within our systems. We have the backend workflow that'll pull in all the necessary information so we can package up a new account, package up a new loan. Um, we can do the decisioning um, in an automated fashion with the idea that if you look at that end-to-end flow from digital application to booking that loan, booking that new account to the core, and then funding it, you know, reducing that to just a matter of mere minutes, right, is really the ultimate goal. And how we measure success on our side is we call it speed, but speed is not just about automation. It's about providing that, that digital experience that consumers expect and demand today. You're from digital application to funding as fast as possible, right? And the goal really is to reduce and remove human intervention when it's not needed, right? If it's not needed, why introduce a hurdle, right? Because if we know consumers, if if you say, Jim, applied for a loan, let's say new credit card, actually make it real simple. And they said, well, we'll get back to you tomorrow. The very next thing you're probably going to do is go apply somewhere else and go look for someone that's going to say, hey, who's going to prove me right now? You're not going to sit there and wait for a day. So again, it's a changing that mindset. It's interesting because it's not about the future of rates, it's about the future of speed and simplicity. You know, I look at my relationship with uh, my business bank and I realize to, to get a loan from them because they don't really understand me. And I get all my receipts by PayPal and I pay out all my, my uh, collaborators by PayPal. The reality is PayPal knows who I am. They give me on an ongoing basis a pre-approved bridge loan if I want it. But it would take me days to get it with my financial institution. Guess what? I'm not going to check price in those situations because if I don't need long-term lending, I'm not really competing on price. I'm competing on how easy is it to engage. So you're sitting down with financial institutions. This brings back memories talking with your firm in the past. And, and you sit down with a financial institution. You know what you can do. But invariably, bankers tend to get in their own way. They go, I want to buy exactly what you told me. With a couple differences, I may ask for a wet signature. I may ask for um, ID that's different. I may ask for the, the, the customer to actually come into the branch to close the loan, whatever it may be. What do you find to be the biggest challenge for finances to, to actually buy what you're selling? Yeah, so... Um... And I love that question because it, it comes up a lot, obviously, right? And so first and foremost, and you said it well, is they get in their own way, right? We used to do it this way. Why do we need to change? You know, is that, is that common question? You know, we have our standard policies. We have to live with these policies. And I always say, why? Right? If, if the consumers have changed, it means business and how you operate needs to change. So it means your policies and procedures will need to change, right? It's, it's, it's all an evolution, right? That, that's what innovation really means. And so, you know, for us, it's really first starting with, 
working with a financial institution really define what is their objective and outcome they're trying to achieve, right? Ultimately, they're talking to us because they want to change. They have a desire. Right. right. But now they're stuck with how do I make change, right? So it always starts with I have a desire to make a change, right? And so if we get to that point, then we go, okay, well, what change are you trying to make and why? And help frame that conversations around the outcomes that they're trying to drive. And then ultimately where we come in because we deal with you know thousands of, of financial institutions that we can see some of those best practices. We know what works looking at some of our other customers, looking at case studies, um, looking at the data that we sit on. And we can do comparisons in terms of based off a financial institution, here's what peers of your size, peers in your geographic region, peers of your product offerings do and how well they perform. And in doing so, we can get that conversation changed around, okay, well, we can't do this. So we're okay, you know, how do we do this? And then we even have a team of consultants that'll work with a financial institution to help them understand how to craft some of those procedures and policies to best leverage our products to drive the outcome that they ultimately define on their own. Boy, that's that's a great, that last comment is so key. I was with an organization yesterday and I said, you know, one challenge I see is a lot of organizations have what I would consider to be exceptional solutions. The problem is we sell that to the client, a bank or a credit union or a fintech company, and we let them run for it. So we don't help them actually implement it or even help them market it to their customers or members in a way that that builds business, that builds a revenue stream around what we've given them. And the fact that you have um, consultants that come and actually help them with that because you have so many experiences. This is where we talk about composable solutions in the business is find those companies that can not only help bring you the solution, but can help answer those questions internally when a, when somebody in the organization says, no, I want to do it this way. And we find a partner that will help us build that argument says, we actually have a, ba- a way that's less risky than what your traditional way was, seem easier, and you'll generate so much more business. And with as many relationships you have, you can show them what the results will be, the difference will be from an ROI perspective. You know, I remember, uh, you know, back few years ago when we were simply just getting used to what technology, data, AI could do together to to really build these seamless experiences. So when you look at an overall customer journey today, what does that look like from beginning through the process of engagement? When when you're partnering with your best your best customer, the customer is doing it in your mind the best way. What does an ideal customer journey look like today? And so really there isn't you know, one recipe for every customer because again, there's different needs that every customer has. But again, it always starts with defining what is that outcome they want? What are they really trying to achieve? You know, we've worked with customers, you know, some examples where they were really trying to remove the friction in terms of you know, that concept of touchless lending, right? More automation better customer experience, but they're really trying to do it. And they, they were able to narrow it down in terms of one of the big friction points was automated decisioning, right? They, they were, they had manual reviews that had to occur. And so they first had to change their policy. Then also go look at, at, you know, you know, how can they adjust and add more granularity in terms of role decisioning criteria to better service a broader base of the population, right? Because again, two consumers don't look the same. So it means you need to leverage more data provide more decision and granularity to then evaluate every consumer as they come through. Um, but ultimately they realize if I could drive more of that automated decisioning, I could give it better experience. And so, you know, as a result, 
you know, this customer was able to increase their automated decision by over 25%. And they're already doing really well. And they were actually able to increase it even 25% above and beyond where they were to drive, you know, just a better experience for that customer. And then they coupled that with the ability to cross sell at the same time that they originated those new loans. And so deepen that financial relationship at the point of a transaction. So it wasn't just about, let me get through this transaction. It was actually, let me get through this transaction as easy as possible for the consumer, make them happy, and then also present them with relevant, personalized offers that could help them in their day-to-day lives at the same time of that transaction, which then again helped increase that, that financial relationship with that consumer at any given time. So that's just one example of a journey. It's again, staying with that outcome. They knew that the way they can accomplish that concept of touchless lending was to focus on their you know, key area around automated decisioning. So that's one example of an engagement. A brand new engagement, again, starts with just going and defining, okay, well, what are some of your metrics today? Do we know what those metrics are? And let's compare them against the best practices that we know and that we see in the industry. Let's see how far you are, right? Let's, let's, let's first understand that and let's lay out the situation in terms of where we are. And then we ask is, have you thought about who you're targeting? Who is your consumer that you're going after? Where do you want to grow? And then it transitions into, okay, well, what is that value proposition you want to create in the market? You know, can you define that? Once we know that, then it talks about okay, positioning, which products do we start with? How do we configure those products for you to meet those objectives, meet those goals, and then start tracking that progress? Because we know that innovation and change doesn't start with just one big change. It starts with a bunch of incremental changes that you keep tuning over time. And that's why if you really look at that marine platform that we talked about, it's really about having all those different products that connect together. So again, bring customers on that lifelong journey. So you're actually saying that if a financial institution doesn't want to go all in, you know, jump, you know, do a complete uh, core transformation, you can sell composable solutions to specific targets, for specific products, for specific parts of the journey if they don't can't commit to everything right now, correct? That is correct. And that's important, right? Because ultimately, we, we obviously, selfishly, we want them to buy everything from right. us, right? We really believe that our connected solutions will make a difference in terms of help them delivering their outcomes, but they need to start somewhere. Yeah. And, and, and the reality is, especially in today's economy, most organizations don't have the budget to do it all right away. And in many cases, you're better off from a speed and scale perspective to say, how, how can I dip my toe in the water, make this happen today or you know, in the next two months, and then move on to the next thing? Prioritization goes into play here too. So when you're working with financial institutions, what is the biggest roadblock they have to doing what you believe is right? So what, what gets in the way of progress to the degree that the consumer is really demanding it? Yeah, I think you said it earlier, right? It's, it's, it's kind of getting out of their own way, right? It's, it's taking a fresh perspective and knowing that they need to change, that we collectively need to change for that better outcome. So it really just goes back down to how do we rethink your operational structure? How do we rethink the division of, of labor resources that we have? And how do we best utilize them to ultimately meet that customer expectation, consumer demand, right? That's, that's, um, the first thing. The second thing that we hear a lot is that going digital, they feel like they're going to lose the connection with their customer. And so a lot of it's educating them on how that's actually not true. If you leverage the data properly, you can actually have better insights and better knowledge of that customer. So you can actually provide that better experience for them uh, when you talk to them, you know, when you would deal with them online, when you're messaging to them. 
Um, so it's actually changing the mindset of, of digital doesn't reduce the sense of personalization and knowledge. It actually helps increase it as long as you think about the investments you're making in, and how you harness that data um, and create that connection in, in different um, channels. You know, I, I can't emphasize it enough that one of the things that you probably take for granted, but you rely on it every day, is the fact you have such a broad array of financial institutions that are your customers and have been customers for a long time. That data that's collected, that, that insight that's collected can help every future organization do it better. Um, I, I was at an organization, geez, about three months ago, and they said, you know, it's interesting because if any new solution, about 80% of what we do is really the same in every organization. It's that 20% that's a differentiator. But the reality is don't waste time on the 80% going through the things that everybody's already learned already. You know, don't don't remake the wheel that we already know what's best, but work on that 20% that, that really makes it independently good for your organization. So when you look at traditional financial institutions, you know, they're, they're all threatened and challenged by fintechs and tech companies overall in the marketplace. What advantage does a traditional financial institution have over fintechs today, given all the new digital solutions? Yeah, and, and, and as funny as it sounds, it's actually that human connection that they sit on. So if you look at any fintech, um, you know, any other kind of service that you've used, if you had any issue before, you try to get a human to explain to you what's going on, good luck, right? It's usually like I have a bunch of uh, online help. Um, they may have a chatbot that they use. And none of those things are bad. But ultimately, if you get to a really tough problem, I, I want to talk to someone, just someone to explain to me what's going on. How can they help me? And how can they give me a solution that meets my needs? Um, it's almost impossible. But if you look at what you you financial institutions have done well historically, look at credit unions, look at community banks, is they have that personal connection to their customer or their member. And ultimately what it means is they know what they need and they help tailor solutions around them. That's a strength. That doesn't need to go away. It's actually harnessing digital and creating the, the, the multi-channel um, engagement strategy helps create and expand that personal connection. But the default is if, if that customer member needs help, they can go to the branch. They can call somebody and then get that help. And that is a unique differentiator that fintechs can't do. If you look at how they're funded, they're, 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 you know, their profit sheets don't allow for those humans to provide that, that level of service. And I think that that's where you look at these banks, you look at these credit unions, they can sit on those assets and they truly are assets to create that human connection. And again, focus on how do I help each consumer along their own personal Lifelong journey. And it's so key that that it's humanizing the digital experience as opposed to digitizing the human experience, because you can't digitize an old process and make it better, but you can certainly add humans into a digital process. It's it's the augmentation of the digital process that fin traditional financial institutions can do, but it means bringing all the channels together. It means bringing all the data together so that everybody the democratization of insight so all employees know where a customer is in a journey. You know, it's interesting, we, we've talked with Citibank in the past, and they had a, a time ago, we're not really pleased with their new account opening experience. And, and one of the ways they helped solve for that in the interim of building a better solution was as soon as a person 
disengaged from the digital process, somebody reached out to that consumer immediately because the first two things they reached, they collected was the email address and the, the phone number. They reached out to them immediately and said, we see you've broken off of the engagement process from our digital platform. We understand that. A lot of people do. Let's help you go through it. Well, if that's done, the consumer is going to stay on the line forever with that person because it's a human. But it makes it so that yeah. you can take something that may be somewhat broken and make it better through humans, which is not possible at many of the fintech organizations, most of the digital organizations. And it's a balancing act. And, and it's also, you know, we've talked about this with data and analytics. It's also trying to get an understanding of how does the consumer like to interact? You know, what what is the the preferred channel under different circumstances. It's one thing to open an account. It's another one to do transactions. It's another one to get sold or get referred to other products. And it's another one to keep me. You know, and, and the best organizations out there, not just financial institutions, but all organizations, find a way to capture data that says, we understand the way the consumer wants to engage. So when you're looking at this and you're looking at the data and the analytics involved, how does Meridian Link help leverage the data and insights that's available to build even better solutions and better engagements going forward? Yeah, and, I, and first, I just want to address the concept of this personalization, right? A, a lot of you know, banks, creators I talk to are worried, like, are consumers afraid of this personalization, right? I have all this data, I'm tracking them. You know, is that encroaching on an area that, that makes you know, my customers uncomfortable? And the answer is no. I mean, there's plenty of surveys out there. One that I saw recently had over 50% you have consumers actually want their financial institutions to know more about their transactional history yep. and, and look at it, analyze it, and then present opportunities that say, help me, make it better, or, or, or give me something that, that's different for me. Um, and as you go lower in terms of that demographics towards the you know, millennials, Gen Zs, that starts to get closer to like two-thirds. You know, they want their financial institution to know about them. They want them to track their their usage and provide recommendations. As long as they get something back in return. Right, exactly. And so that's that's where Merlin comes in, right? Is we obviously sit on data. We understand the transactional um, information. We also pull the credit. And so we have the credit data that we can look at, understand how exposed a consumer is or how much opportunities are for this consumer. And so for us, we take all that data and then we kind of wrap it into a set of insights that we can provide to a finance institution, both for their operations, but also in terms of their customers and members and go, did you know that this customer is already pre-qualified for these products based off their history, based off their credit profile? You know, there's a general sense of need, um, you know, within their portfolio for this. You know, those are relevant. Those are, those are timely and, and they, they don't last forever. They do expire. But what we do is we kind of create this concept of, of these, these customer opportunities that we can surface um, to a financial institution and really make it easy for them to expand that financial relationship by just monitoring what's going on and then boiling up insights that they can use for both their operational side and their customer side. You know, it's interesting because it, it's not like it used to be where if you cross-sold something, you take out another set of forms and have to fill them in from beginning to end again. The reality is you've made it so that on that instant, and again, credit bureau is such a valuable asset because you can find out if they've test drove in a car lately. You can find out if they bought a house lately. You can find out if they've added somebody to the account lately. You can find all these things out in the credit bureau to allow you, as, as you said, to very quickly, instantly, at the same point of purchase, open another account without 
any you know, friction. You know, it's like Apple. When you get an Apple card, the, the credit card, it's only four steps on your phone, which is insane by itself, but it's all pre-filled with information they already know about you. And they say, is this right? And for me, it, it was right. And then they say, okay, can you validate your last four digits, your social security number? Can you validate your annual income? Well, this is simply buying time, but it's also cross-validation for know your customer. And then the next step is read these rules and regs and you got the you got the credit well now with their savings account they immediately can get you into the savings account without with just pushing a button do you want to build a savings account mm -hmm. they don't make you go through the process and this is one of the things that your company has done very well is saying you know we don't want to lose all this momentum we have going somebody's put some effort into opening an account how can we make it so this account this relationship is is broader and how can you do it and and it's key in any channel. In other words, I can do it if it's all digital. I can do it if it's a mix between digital and human. I can do it if it's all human. And this is the way financial institutions have to look because the consumer expects it. But each consumer experience is different. Everybody judges their financial institution by different parameters. You know, I, I judge it by my Netflix account, my Amazon account, right? And my my uh, PayPal account where I go, you know, these companies know me. They know everything about me and they won't make a mistake by what they want to engage me with. So when you're looking at these engagements overall and when you look at the, the whole data issue, how do you balance privacy with personalization? I think you almost touched upon it where that balance comes because of the value transfer you give them. If you give them something valuable, they're more flexible in what they share with you, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And for me, and I think about this from my own personal life, not even from a, a meridian length lens of privacy versus you know, personalization, I think it comes down to, is it helping me or not? You know, are you just trying to sell me product because you want that transactional relationship? Or are you really trying to build a long-term relationship with me? And so for me, the latter is, is, is personalization. It's really about really getting to know me, my needs, and helping me better my life versus just selling me the next thing that you can find and can see. And so to me, that's that fine line. Now, obviously how you manifest that in technology permissions and all that, that there's, there's a long tail to, to conversation there, but ultimately the lens that I always use is really about what is the intent with this data? What is the intent with what you're trying to do as an organization? And ultimately for personalization, it's about helping me achieve my goals, you know, as a consumer versus just selling me a transaction. So our last couple of questions, one of them is, you know, you overlap to a certain degree what most firms core platform provider provides. They provide application process, they provide data, they provide opening, they can transfer into the, the overall core platform. So what you're actually in many times going against is organizations saying, yeah, I already get this from my core provider. Um, I'd have to spend more with you. How do you fight that argument? How do you show the value improvement on what you can provide versus what they probably have today? Yeah, it always starts with the data, right? It always starts with, let's show you kind of how you know, peer to peer, you know, customers that are using Marine Link versus ones that aren't, how they're performing, right? It's, it's ultimately you know, looking at that. And we've done some studies, you know, based off segments where we've seen customers that are using Marine Link outperform, you know, their peers by over 
right? In terms of like, money. like AUM growth. <laughs> and, and that's yeah. money, but it also means longer term relationships. It means that they're, it's, that doesn't just come from net new customers, right? It means from existing customers buying more with you, doing more with you over time, right? That's how you, you grow. It's a concept of bringing things in and keeping them, not just losing them into that, that silent attrition we talked about earlier. So first and foremost, it starts with that, right? It's the results that can be provided. But the other thing too is, is, is if you look at a lot of you know, financial institutions, they struggle with how do I create the sense of a connected journey? How do I create the right member experience? I mean, as, as I talk to institutions, the thing I learn is a lot of them are starting to use the word journey. It's, it's more and more prevalent, right? Over the last three and a half years, I've been with Meridian Link. But yet when I ask them, how do you measure the strength of your relationship with the customer? I don't always get a good answer, right? It, it, it really, really varies. And so to me, we're still at the beginning phases of, of understanding how do we measure strength of relationship and think about that lifelong journey. But if you take a step back, the only way to do that is to have these connected solutions that meet the needs of the consumer as they go through that journey. And unfortunately, when you buy you know, point solutions that aren't connected, it's hard to create a lifelong journey. And so that's really kind of the conversations we have with our customers is really one, start with performance, but then two, two they talk about the rest of you, how you need to build you know, these connected journeys to meet the needs of your consumers long-term. You know, that's a great point. I, I think we continue to measure things in the way we've always measured things. We talked about before we got online today, the fact that the measurement of attrition can no longer be how many accounts did I lose against how many total accounts do I have? Because that does not measure those that have diversified the relationship without using you. In addition, you mentioned that you know you have to measure what is possible compared to what is today. And that's, that's a hard thing to measure. You also have to measure what's broken. In other words, how long does it take a consumer to do X process? And how does that compare to the norm? And again, you, you have so much data with your clients, you can say our norm with organizations that really do what we're asking them to do is this. Our norm with organizations that don't do it all is this, and your norm is this. And and to measure things in a new way that are much more customer focused. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of NPS scores. It's not surprising that I say that because I say it often. And it's because it's one thing to measure how much people who already are with you love you, because they didn't love you, they wouldn't be with you, versus how do you measure fund flow every month? You know, how much money is flowing out of your organization to other financial institutions that you haven't captured and made it yours? So what advice would you give financial institutions looking to optimize engagement and loyalty? For me, it always starts with focus, right? Who is your target customer? Who are you trying to service? You know, not all financial institutions are going to have the same target, be it demographic, be it geographical, be it product mix, whatever it is. It starts by defining who do you want to be. It's not just about transactions. It's about creating that differentiated value proposition. So I always, you know, as I meet with financial institutions and, I, and I, I've spoken at, at different conferences, I always say, first, take a hard look at who do you want to target and why, right? It always starts with understanding that target. I mean, in my technical product world, that's always what you do is you start with the end customer and, and target. What are you trying to solve for and who, right? Then it starts, okay, now for that consumer, that target you're going after, what is the ideal journey? What do they expect? You know, go talk to them, understand their needs, right? Start from the outside and then look inwards. 
And then it starts looking now, how do you change your organizational thinking, processes, policies to now meet those needs? But without defining the target, without defining, you know, you know, what their needs are, you can't move forward. Yes, that's a great point. We, we take it for granted, but unless you decide what you're trying to solve for, and as you mentioned, unless you've defined your why and your who, it's not quite mm-hmm. time to determine what your what is because you, 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 it's like going to a GPS and going, I want to go north, as opposed to giving it a specific location. <laughs> you may get there. But, you know, if I say I want to go north in Ohio, and if I'm in Columbus, Ohio, I can end up in Toledo or I can end up in Cleveland. Those are vastly different places that are almost the same distance apart as Columbus is to the two cities. So you end up being no closer to where your destination was, but you defined it without complete clarity. And I think many organizations will set their their why or their desire on a real high plane and I'm going to keep on referencing it because it happens way too often. And then they won't let go of the past. And I think one of the things yep. we forget <laughs> is we have to bring on board every one of our employees to talk about the fact how they're part of the digital future as opposed to being threatened by it. You know, we got chat GPT. We could have gotten into that today. And we have all these different things that threaten us and our futures in our minds. If our organization works to inform us on how we're still going to be important, then the credit adjudicator, the the person that works in the back office, you know, collections, whatever it may be, will not feel threatened if we include them. If we don't, then you're going to have a whole lot of people voting thumbs down on any new process because what they see is you're trying to replace me. So, um, Devesh, I really appreciate your time today. It's good to catch up and to find out, you know, how Meridian Link has really transformed into an organization that can certainly help financial institutions move into the future and be future ready. We're not there yet in any stretch of the imagination. And probably as soon as we turn off the cameras today, we'll find there's something that's happened in the marketplace that's going to make us pivot a little bit more. But it's been on top of the game. And, and for financial institutions to realize that, find the professionals that can get you to where you want to go in each little product area, each little customer segment and work with them. Because if they're running on your behalf, you have the ability to look at other priorities that need to be focused on that you may be best at. But don't be afraid to partner with those that can get you to the finish line faster, easier, and at speed and scale. Thank you, Devesh. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Jim. It's a fantastic conversation. I really enjoyed it. And I love this topic. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform, the winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. We appreciate the support we've received to make this endeavor a success. If you enjoy what we're doing, please take some time to show some love in the form of a review. Finally, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and check out the research we're doing for the Digital Bank Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our senior producer, Leah Haslidge, audio engineer, Chris Fafalias, and video producer, Will Prince. If you've not already done so, remember to subscribe to Bank and Transform on both your favorite podcast app and on YouTube for more thought-provoking discussions on the intersection of finance, technology, and leadership.
You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.